I am dedicating this uh, shia to my twin sister who had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, twin sister. It's dedicated to... I didn't have a birthday. Only my twin sister had a birthday. This is uh, my bar mitzvah parsha. I don't know why it's not my birthday, but it's my bar mitzvah parsha. The two citations where Moshe Rabbeinu talks about... The first one, uh, let's look at Deuteronomy. Vo'espos bishnei haluchos He's telling Am Yisrael before he dies, I gripped the two tablets and flung them away with both my hands, smashing them before your eyes. In Moshe's address to Bnei Yisrael in Pasha's Akev, he recalls the tragic incidents of the Chet HaEgel. He describes after descending from Mount Sinai with the two stone tablets given to him by God, he saw the people worshipping the golden calf, Whereupon I took hold of the two tablets, I cast them from my hands, and I broke them before your eyes. The clear implication of the verse in Deuteronomy is that Moshe made a conscious decision. Espos bishnei haluchos. I took hold of them. He intentionally threw them down. And this is also the plain meaning of uh, the verse in Exodus. Vayihi kasher karavel amachane, Exodus 32:29. Vayares or egel, umcholos, and he sees the egel and the dancing and everything. Vayicha atmosh, he's angry. He doesn't say that in in Deuteronomy when he looks back, but here he's gripped by anger. Vayashlech miyodov et haluchos, and he. He casts, he hurls the tablets from his hands, and he shatters them beneath the mountain. In both those understandings of his shattering of the luchos, it's clearly intentional. That's what the pshat is. The pshat is, it was an intentional breaking. And the Gemara in Shabbos, in Pezayin, says, and where do we derive that the Holy One, blessed be he, agreed with Moshe's reasoning? Meaning the, 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 the reasoning to smash the tablets. Because it says in 34.1, the, the first tablets that you broke, Asher Shibarta. Asher Shibarta. Reish Lakish says the word Asher is an allusion to Yasher Koyach. Yashar Kochacha. Asher Yisher. Meaning... Yashikoyach, it's good that you broke it. God approved of his off-the-script decision to smash the first luchos. And um, let's go to that verse that we're talking about. And here it is. Vayoma Adonai el Moshe luchos orishonim korishonim v'chosavti that's the Gomorrah's punning of the word Asher Shibarto. Interestingly, so we know A, he did it intentionally, al pipshuto shel mikro, and B, that the Gomorrah says that God approved of his smashing them. He did, did, God didn't tell him to smash them, he did it of himself. He did it on his own accord. In Exodus, out of anger, out of rage, and looking back in Deuteronomy, he just says, 
and I grabbed them and I hurled them. But they, the agency was Moshe on his own and apparently according to uh, the Gemara with God's assent. Now, the Medrash in Pirkei de Rebeleza and in Tanhuma Kisisa gives a different description of the event. Moshe took the Luchos and was descending, and the text bore itself and Moshe with it, meaning it was very heavy. It was made out of sapphire. In fact, when they broke, he became rich, <laughs> the Gemara says, from the sapphire uh, pieces that were strewn all over the ground. Nisyashe Moshe got rich from them. And the text bore itself and Moshe with it. We've had other examples of that. The Levine were carrying the ark. The ark was no say es no sov. It carried those who were carrying it. When they saw the drums and dances and the golden calf, the Medrash Pirke de Rebeleza had something very mythical. It says, the text fled and flew away from the tablets. Parachos, the osios were parachos. They, they flew away. The letters flew away. They ended up being very heavy for Moshe, and he was unable to bear himself or the tablets. And so they fell from his hands and they shattered. So according to this account, the letters of the tablets flew away once Moshe saw the people committing the sin of the golden calf. They flew away. They, therefore, lost the ability to carry the tablets, and therefore Moshe dropped it. So he did not, according to this view, throw the tablets, but rather drop them. Now, how do you reconcile the Midrash of Pekka with the Torah's description? And so I want to move to the Rashbam, very literal interpreter of the Bible, and then we'll move to a couple of Midrashim. And the Rashbam, in his commentary to Sefer Shmos, writes, when he saw the calf, he became weak and had no strength, and he threw them away from him a bit so that they would not hurt his feel, feet when they fell. Like Pukadurabeleza, the Rashbam explains that Moshe didn't actually decide to break the Luchos, but rather drop them because they came too heavy. And that the verse speaks of Moshe throwing the tablets because as he dropped them, he had to push them away from him so they wouldn't fall on his feet. So according to Rashbam, Moshe indeed dropped the Luchos, but he managed to throw them in front of him. The Rashbam doesn't elaborate on why Moshe suddenly felt weak, but we can assume that he refers to the disappointment he experienced upon seeing how far B'nai Israel had fallen. Very nice. Now let's go into our Rashi, the Heiliga Rashi. Psalocho. Do you see that? Hera'uhu machatsav sanpiro mitocholo. God showed him a sapphire mine from within his tent and said to him, the sapphire chips shall be yours. And that's where he became wealthy. Very nice. Now let's look at Psalocho. God is now saying, after the Chet of the Egel, after the death of the, the, the Erev Rav, and after Moshe has gone back up and said, you know, Vayichal Moshe es Adonai Elokov, and he said, the Yud Gimel Midos Rachmim, and God said, I will forgive you, Solachti Kidvorecho. Now comes chapter 34, and God says, Psol Lecho, Shnei Lecho Sabonim Karishonim. 
The Medrash is picking up on the word lecha, psal lecha. And Rashi quotes the Tanchuma. So let's dive into that Tanchuma. And the Tanchuma goes as follows. The Tanchuma says, I'm going to bring you a mashal. And the mashal is of a king. So the Tanchuma says, Moshe le Melech Shaholach le Medina Sayam. There was a king who went to the, the to overseas. Now, I'm going to compare two Midrashim. So the stage is set. Melech Shaholach le Medina Sayam. He goes to overseas. And he leaves his wife with the Shefachot, in the harim, with the maidens. And now the narrator tells us, and because she was hanging out with just Shefachot and not with people of her class, Yotso Oleho Shame Ra. So the incriminating act was that. A reputation went out on Facebook and Instagram. She got a she got bad reputation because she's hanging out with these shvachos. We don't know what she did, where she went, but whatever it was, uh, she got, got a reputation for hanging out with the shvachot. Why? She was alone. She was lonely. There was no one else in the castle. And now the word goes out that she is losing her reputation. Okay, now the king is overseas and he hears in whatever newspaper he's reading that she's hanging, the Daily Inquirer, that she's hanging out with this riffraff and his reputation is now at stake. And he has a total rage attack and plans to kill her. Now, what was she doing wrong? We don't know. The text doesn't tell us. Doesn't tell us. The Midrash Agadah that we will learn does tell us. But right now, we don't know what she did. But it's sufficient to cause his rage. Bikesh lehorga. He wants to kill her. Shoma Shushvina. Now, the Shushvina, if you look up Jastro, Shushvina is a counselor, a matchmaker, best man, the man who brings the wife to the husband under the chuppah. So it's certainly someone who is an intermediary between the husband and the wife. Ahmad, what did he do? He, heard, he hears that she, he's planning to kill his wife. Ahmad Vakara Ketubata. So he goes and tears up her ketubah. And he says that this is his rationale. If the king says she did such and such, meaning my wife did such and such, my wife, look what my wife do. She tore up my, resp my, my reputation. She's been hanging around in bars with the, with the low-life Shafachot. Then what will he say? No, Malo, the Shushvina will tell the king, what are you talking about? She's not your wife. What do you mean she's not my wife? I tore up the ksuba. Tore up the ksuba? Oh, she's not my wife. Okay. That will protect the wife. Meaning the Shushvina wants to protect the wife from the murderous rage of her husband, the king. 
And in doing so, by tearing up the ksuba, he absolutely assuages the king's rage by saying, hey, she ain't no your wife anymore. She's no longer your missus. So you've got nothing to be upset about. Because if she's not your wife, your reputation is no longer at stake. Now the king comes home. And he launches an FBI investigation. And he finds that having been away in his hotel room, he was getting completely filled with his, all his rage because of no reason. No reason at all. He looked into the matter. She never went out. It never took place. It was all fake news. All fake news. Okay. Miyad Nisratzalah. Now, just like as quickly as his anger burns in him, murderous rage, Miyad, the Medrash says, immediately he is appeased with her. He is reconciled with her. And now he calls in Omalo Shushvina. Now the Shushvina says, Marie, I see you're in a good mood. I think everything is good. Okay, I say lok subasachem. Now listen, you have to remember I tore up your ksuba. You're gonna have to make a new ksuba. Shenit kara harishona. Because unfortunately the first one's ripped apart. So Omalo, so this is what the this is what the king says. Don't say that Medrash doesn't have a sense of humor. And this is what the king said. Atokorata also. What are you talking about? You're the one who tore it up. Go and buy yourself some more uh, paper. Apparently it was expensive, the niar, the, the, the parchment. You go and buy it. And I'll sign it. That is the mashal. I'm not going to go to the nimshal yet because I want to share with you the Medrash Agada. The Medrash Agada is written later. Psalacha, Shalwes Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So this is a Medrash Agadah that comes much later than Tanchuma, and yet it's a, it's a, it's a uh, tradition that we have going back to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, the first Tana, the one who went out of Jerusalem when it was being destroyed to open up a yeshiva in Yavne. And they asked him, We have a question for you. How come the first Luchos, it says, Etzba Elohim Hu, it was God, who made them, who wrote them, who inscribed in them. The Hashmios, but when it comes to the Sheni, Masay Odom. God says, Psolacho, you do it. You make the second Luchos. Omalachem. So he says, Omalachem, Lomel Moha Dovadom. Let me tell you a Moshal. And now we come to the Moshal. Lamelach Shenosa Isha, a king. Marries a woman. Vahaniyar vahalavlor shel hakidushin nisuin mishelo, and so he brings with him the parchment and the scribe to the wedding. Atera kesela, and he brings her a beautiful diadem. That's his, and he gives it to him. Vehichnisa latoch beso, and he brings her with great pomp and circumstance to his palace. Now one day the King looks out of his window. Ra'a ota hamelech sochekes im eved echad mishelo. Uh oh. He looks out of his window, and Rabban Gamliel tells us this fictional narrative. It's a mashal. 
It's just a fiction. Let me tell you what he saw. He looks out of his window and he sees her sochekes. Now, the word mesachek, as you know, by Yishmael, by Yishachek, with uh, Yitzchok, and that prompted Sarah to banish him and Hagar because he was mesachek. Some people think it has a sexual reference. But let's just say the word fooling around. She was fooling around with one of the courtiers. And I'll leave that to you to decide whether she was just playfully fooling around or did it look like she was fooling around. But whatever it did, it triggered Kotzavoleo. He had a rage attack. He became furious with her. Vahotsia mi beito. And he kicked her out of the house. Doesn't say he gave her a get. It just threw her out. Meaning now she's in limbo. Why? She can't marry someone else because she didn't have her get. She can't come back to her husband because he threw her out. So she is truly in limbo. She has nowhere to go and nowhere to, to, no one to protect her. Boshushvina, our same counselor, matchmaker, best man, shows up in court. Now, this is not in the manuscript. Ad the, the the Greenfeld who who wrote who brought brings this adds she is the colors Shushvina. Well, for sure she's working to restore the relationship. I'm not so sure she happens to be the colors um, matchmaker, but whatever. The Shushvina comes at slow to the king Omalo, and this is the dialogue between the Shushvina and the king Mari, my master. Wow. Wow. His argument to the king, don't you know where you took her from? We weren't told in the beginning. It says, We don't know where she came from. It wasn't like Vashti came from big Yichas. Obviously, he would have said so. The fact it says, it obviously means a plain woman. A woman of low caste, a woman who was a commoner. So he says to the king, you, you, you fell in love with a commoner. I brought her to you. Don't you know which class she came from? She came from a working class family. She was the most beautiful girl, but she was working class. Not of high pedigree. She, she grew up among slave girls. And since she was used to them, so she was used to hanging out with them. What do you want from her? She was hanging out with the, with the slave because she came from that background. So the king says to the Shushvina, what do you what the hell do you want from me? She You want me to be reconciled with her? And now the king says to him, You want me to reconcile with her? Okay. You go and get your parchment and your scribe and on your account and you bring it. Yodi, and I'll sign the second suba. Now I, I want to share these two midrashim with you because, in fact, if you go back 
and look at at Rashi, which of the two does he actually choose? Rashi says, Rashi says, because of the immoral behavior of the maidservant, she acquired a bad reputation. Her bridesman comes to defend the bride and said, if the king decides to get her, I'm going to tear up uh, the thing. The king is, he chooses the Tanhuma one. Why? Why does he choose that? That's my question. And let's go back to my uh, handwritten scribble and let's compare and contrast the two Midrashim. In the first, they are both about a sense of betrayal on the part of the king, about forgiveness, and about reconciliation. We agree. The two Midrashim are definitely about those concepts of the theme of betrayal, forgiveness, and reconciliation, which we've spoken about in the last few weeks. But the difference between the two is that the Medrash Tanchuma has to do with unfound suspicions. Ahmad HaMelech Sha'uba Bikesh Lahorga Badak HaMelech Velo Matza Ervastava. He investigated the fact and found no Ervastava. She hadn't been messing around. She hadn't been fooling around. She did nothing wrong. In the Midrash Agadah, oh yeah, she was fooling around, all right. Ra'ah HaMelech. He isn't in the Medina Sayam far away and listening to fake news on Instagram. He sees it with his own eyes, fooling around with the low-class servant. And so his katsap aleha, his anger, probably has a rationale, a reason. And so therefore, what is the thrust of this medrash? It is a mitigation of guilt. The first medrash is unfound suspicions and reconciliation based on the fact that it was unfounded. The second midrash is mitigating of the guilt by the Shushvina. He argues with the king. Don't you know her pedigree? Don't you know her background? She's hanging out with them because that's where she came from. What do you expect from her? Now let's look at the Nimshal and see which way each of these diverge. The Midrash Agadah is Moshe telling God, where do you think these people come from? They're a bunch of slaves. And they are used to avoid Zorah Mitzrayim. So they had this wonderful spiritual experience on Har Sinai. But what do you expect from a bunch of slaves? I came late from the mountain. The first thing they do is do what they are used to doing. Hang out with the kind of Erev Rav, the riffraff, that they were used to. And then God says, okay, okay. What do you want from me? Shenitz Ratzelo? You want me to be appeased? Very good. Now you go, Rashi doesn't choose that one. Rashi chooses the Medrash Tanchuma, in which the king says, she did such and such. And the Shushvina says, she's not your wife. And now he comes back 
Badak HaMelech Velo Matzah Erbas What on earth is going on? What would be the nimshal that would explain such a thing? How could the Medrash go so against the Pshat? They did act in the Egel. They did worship the Egel HaZahav, the golden calf. So what are you telling me, Badak HaMelech Velo Matzah Ervas This is the question that I have for you. And let's go back to that Rashi. The Rashi says, from Tanhuma, likewise, Kach, the Nimshal, look what Rashi says, HaMelech, Hashvachot, that's the Erev Rav that we were hanging out with. Hashushvin, it's Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. And so, what is God saying? Psal Lecha. You do it. You do it. But the implication is, the radical implication is, Badak Hadavar Velo Matzar Ervat Davar. The question then becomes, why would Rashi choose that? And I have said this before, that for me, Rashi isn't writing in a vacuum. Rashi is writing in the city of Troy when the Second Crusade is occurring and Richard the Lionheart is marching through the town of Troy. And there's legends about Rashi's mother and being pregnant with him. I don't want to go into the legend, but I, I want to suggest that just like in the very first Posuk in Bereshis, when Rashi comments on Bereshis, Borelokimis or Shemaimis Oretz, he brings this crazy out-of-place medrash about Omar Rabbi Yitzchak. God gives Eretz Yisrael to whoever he wants to give it. Koch Kigidlamov. What's that got to do with Bracious Borel Akimis Hashemaim Mesorets? Bracious Borel Akimis Hashemaim Mesorets. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is a cosmic, this is a cosmic thing. So what are you telling me about Eretz Yisrael? I think for the same reason. I think that with tears in his eyes, looking over his balcony, as the armies of the Crusades come through Europe, killing Jews in Mainz, Speyer, Worms, Germany, France, on their way to Eretz Israel, Rashi, with tears in his eyes, is refuting what he knew well to be the argument by the Christian missionaries who were coming to take back Jerusalem from the infidel. And what was that? If you read Oregon and Tertullian, on this verse, they say it is precisely because of the Cheta Egel that Am Yisrael lost its claim to Eretz Yisrael. Because of the Egel, we have proven ourselves to be unworthy of Eretz Yisrael, Jerusalem, and the Temple. And therefore, Christianity, which is the new Ecclesia, the new Knesset Yisrael, that subverts and replaces the Old Testament, the old Am Yisrael, they are the new Israel, and therefore they have the right to Eretz Yisrael. I believe that that's what's unconsciously motivating someone like the Heiliger Rashi to choose a medrash that implies Badak Hadavah Velo Matzah Erva. 
He investigated the matter of his wife and found nothing wrong. Well, what are you telling me? The ego took place. It's in the pshat. It took place. And therefore, we have to assume, which basically is my theory about mashal, that whenever Chazal are giving us a parable, a fictional parable, they are saying things that are so radical that it can't be made for the Amcha, for the Hoi Poloi. It has to be couched and hidden within the mashal. And that, for me, is what's going on here. Yes, the pshat says they, they sinned and we have to pay the price. But the real message of the mashal is it never took place. Our relationship remains. Now, that doesn't mean that she wasn't uh, hanging around with the shvachot. We hung around with the Erev But Yatsa Aleha Shemra when she gets a bad rap and things are said about her, that has to do with her motivation. That has to do with acts committed. He looked into it and found nothing. And I think that this is the deeper aspect. The Ishbitz actually says that, uh, that, that the difference between the first Luchos and the second Luchos upstairs, it's all one. And he quotes that Gomorrah when Rabbi Akiva tells the Talmudim, when you're going to go into the mystical paradise, don't say water, water, meaning don't look from down here where we say, God created them, up there, it's all one thing. It's all one mind. The Ishbitz applies that here. And saying, Luchos Rishonos, Luchos Shnias, before the sin, after the sin, after the fact, it's all upstairs one thing. I think he's saying the same thing. That the relationship with the divine that is mirrored in a husband-wife relationship, disproportionate power to the king, disproportionate absence of power with the wife, is fraught. Divine human relationships are fraught when one has so much power. And therefore, Badak Hadava, Belomatsa Evastava is the Midrashic trope by which we somehow come to the sense of reconciliation. And that is the message for us today. That life is, relationships are about betrayal forgiveness, and reconciliation. And the reconciliation is much stronger as a result of the forgiveness. And it apparently, for the Midrashic imagination, the brilliant Midrashic mind, this concept applies not only to human relationships, but to the divine relationship of Solachti Kidvarecha. I forgive you, I forgive you. Let's move on. Let's keep the relationship throughout our history. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.